a Motorsport Podcast Network production. Hey everybody, great to have you with me for another week. I'm Aaron Noonan and this is the V8 Sleuth Podcast, polished by Bowden's Own Premium Car Care. Available at Repco in Australia and New Zealand, as well as a range of other auto stores. Now, a while back, you might remember, I went for my now, well, I'm calling it annual trip to Queensland because I've done it two years in a row. Therefore, that's annual. To record a range of podcasts, and my guest on this week's episode is one of those that I did on that trip. Now, to many, Steve Owen is something of a supercars enigma. You won't find many, if any, long-form interviews or chats with him about his career or where he's come from, so I figured it's time that we change that. Now, Steve's career is such an unlikely one, a quiet, unassuming bloke that ends up making 21, yes, 21, Bathurst 1000 starts. He drives for pretty much all of the top teams at one point or another. He wins titles, piles of races, and meets the right people and gets the right breaks in a career that really deserves a spotlight to be shot on it. Now, I've known Steve for, I reckon it would be just over 20 years, since he was in the V8 Super Cup Development Series. And there's so much more about him and his career that I just didn't know. So I hope this podcast changes that somewhat for people too, that you know more about a guy who's achieved so much. It's a great story that I think you'll get a lot out of. Now, this is part one. There's so much to talk about, we couldn't fit it into one part. He's had such a long career and done so many things for so many teams and so many cars in so many categories, we had to do it over two weeks. So settle in, enjoy this one. It's part one of Steve Owen on the V8 Sleuth podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car. Steve Owen, hello and welcome. Good to see you. Yeah, good to be here. Well, it's your place, so it should be good to be here, I would have thought. Uh, thanks for hosting. Um, not just you, but you've got a welcoming committee here. Now, I've been on a Queensland podcasting tour this week, and there's a common thread. Everybody I've chatted to has a dog and can hear Rufus wandering around here in the background trying to find – I think he's trying to find the treat cupboard, isn't he? Yeah, just making sure that no one's dropped any food. Yeah, yeah, just to be sure. <laughs> I've got a dog exactly the same. Uh, mate – you're one of my favourite stories in motor racing and probably been looking forward to sitting down and having a chat to you about all the stuff that you've done and the places that you've been because you've been so under the radar, so quiet and calm about how you've gone about your career over the journey that your body works really impressive and I don't reckon enough people know about it. So I'm going to change that a little bit today. Well, I like flying under the radar. I know you it's do. All, it's know all part of my plan. I'm just going to make you <laughs> pop up above the waterline just for an hour or so. Um, you're a bit of an enigma. I got to, I got to say, in a good way, in a really good way. How so? Well, <laughs> not many people seem to know much about you. Yeah, that's good, and that's how you <laughs> like it. That's how you like it. You've always let your driving do the talking, haven't you? Yeah, well, I, I, I yeah, I don't enjoy the media stuff, to be honest. You know, he I'm says pretty, starting a podcast. Yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> pretty quiet sort of a dude. So I, you know, I've used to focus on the racing, and if I had to do interviews and stuff, I kind of reluctantly turned up for the sponsors and. Tick the but box um, and, yeah, but yeah. it's all part of the fun. It's all—it's not all, you know, spraying champagne and driving race cars. Well, that's a good part of it. That's, that's <laughs> sort of a good part of it. Um, everyone talks about second-generation races and racing in family. That's the case for you. Yeah, my I mean race, but just for fun. He was a copper, but for, by trade, so he he did a little bit of racing, and that's how I sort of grew up to grow up around car racing. But just at a social level, um, he was doing what's now improved production. So just. Blast around road trees, and I sort of grew up around that, and obviously that's how I caught the bug. And he actually raced at Bathurst, didn't he? He did. Which, in which a, I remember you telling me this some years ago, and I sort of went, "Oh, really? Yeah. I never knew this." In a dirty old Gemini that I don't think went very long. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, but no, he was there. Seventy nine, I think it was something like that. Yeah. What year were you born? Seventy four. Okay, so you were around, like you were. Yep. A young, a young unit at the time. At the I time. Think, so clearly there was exposure to it. Yeah. Awareness of it, yeah. interest in it, right from absolutely. Day and he, he did a bit of rallying as well. So I went to a lot of rallies as a kid, which was great. Most kids went to the footy on the weekend, and I, I was lucky enough to go to. We used to enjoy going to Winton back in those days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with Winton. It's a good it's, joy. It's a bit cold now. I'm a Queenslander, ah, but true. Um, yeah, and lots of rallying too. So it was just good to be around motorsport all the time. And obviously, you know, you just get 
the bug. Yeah, you got the bug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still got the bug. Yeah, still got the yeah. bug. Yeah. So you're always a cop. So did he bring home some good cars? Back in those days. What, do they just drive some real junkers? As no, well, I remember they used to have all the VL turbos and oh, things like that back in the day. Yeah, yeah that, nice. And back in the day when you actually recognise a cop car from 100 metres away, now they've got all sorts of stuff. But, um, yeah, he did bring home some pretty cool things. Didn't accidentally take a little trip in any of them, no? No, no, I've been pretty you're, good. You're it's a pretty straighty one, ain't a young fellow, were you? Yeah, because I, I got involved in racing, I, I managed to keep it off the streets. Yeah, but, good, um, man. good man. But, it, um, yeah, it did get me off a couple being the son of a traffic copper, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> Owen. Oh, that Owen. Oh, right, right, right. Um, I've got a really vivid memory of having a chat to you at a bar somewhere many moons ago in Melbourne. I remember we ended up with a few people out and talking to you about your early racing a little bit and I'd love to have our listeners hear a bit about it because that's Rufus having a drink, by the way. <laughs> if um, Do I remember right that you were working like to help getting yourself up and going? Were you working in hotels or something at the time? Yeah, I had sort of to fund my Formula Ford career because my parents were actually going through a bankruptcy when I first started racing, which is not an ideal start to a motor racing career. So I sort of needed to come up with the funds for my first Formula Ford myself. So I was sort of doing three different jobs. I was working in hospitality. I was working at a uh, in a factory building water heaters, and I was also. Working at a petrol station at night. So basically you are working, sleeping, working multiple jobs to just make this thing happen. Well, I actually slept a lot at work to be fair. <laughs> so I, was, I used to work at the petrol station. I used to do night shifts. So I put a stapler on the uh, on the authorised, so, you know, when you lift the pump so the pump works. And I wheel the, um, you remember the old little pay phones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I wheel that to sort of be behind the, the electric door. So that when the electric door opened and made a big bang, it woke me up. So I used to just I used to sleep on the counter, and luckily it was a pretty quiet petrol station, so you get a few hours in every night, which is good. Are we talking outer suburbs of Melbourne here, where you grew it up? It was in Endeavour Hills. Yeah, right. I was living in Doncaster at the time, but yeah, yeah pretty. That was considered sort of a pretty quiet area back in those days. It's a good place for a nighttime snooze uh, <laughs> and get paid for it. Exactly. That's, that's even exactly. better. Stick it into your car racing. So karting was the the first chance to really have a crack at going racing? Yeah, so I got a cut when I was about 10 and, you know, sort of did the standard career path. Um, actually went karting for about 15 years because I sort of had a bit of overlap when I first started Formula Ford. I was doing, I was a factory driver then, so it was all getting paid for. So I thought, if I'm not racing Formula Ford, I may as well be racing somewhere. And, mm. you know, the teams were happy for me to race when I wasn't trying to um, race in Formula Ford. Yeah. So you, you, that's what I love about your story in that you've, you basically made it happen yourself. You went and did all the, instead of sitting there going, oh, this is, you know, come on, someone else help me, someone, and clearly people do help you. You can't yeah, go all absolutely. the way without. I got a lot of help. There's a bunch of people years, yeah. that I wanted to mention with yeah. you over the journey that help you unlock an opportunity or a little bit of funding or yeah. introduce you to someone. Everyone's got those stories to be able to get there. But when you wind it right back to the start, it's like, how bad do you want to do this? And mm. clearly it was pretty badly. Yeah, I mean that was I made a decision pretty early on that I wasn't going to have kids or get married. I made a mistake on the married thing. But <laughs> <laughs> that was all good. Um but yeah, I just decided this is what I was going to do. So um whatever I have to do to make it happen, it's got to happen. Yeah. So so there's no well, I might study this, do that just in case. I actually was studying. What was studying? So I was doing psychology. So I did good the, for racing. Actually. It was actually good, good, and it, it did help in a lot of areas. But I was doing psychology at uni because I thought mm, that's you know everyone tells you you got to get good marks and go to uni. And so I was third year doing that when I got the Gary Rogers sponsorship deal with the Valvoline Cummins, which is was a pretty big deal back then. Mm. And I went, mm, this is way too good an opportunity, and I can always come back and study if I need to. And luckily. Never did. Th- 30 years has passed and I haven't had to go back to uni. So it was How good. many years did you do? I was doing third year at the time. Right, so yeah. you got a fair way in. I got halfway through, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, enough to pick up some things along the way that come in handy in yeah. a life in motor racing. Yeah, I, I remember, I obviously was racing at the time, I remember all the things that I thought were really relevant at the time that I, uh, stuck with me over the years. It's, um, yeah, it's... Um, and actually, I went and saw a sports psychologist at one stage because I, th- I knew how important it was. So it was, yeah, I, I rated it. Mm. What was the first race? Do you remember it? From the Ford? Oh, karting and cars. I don't remember my first car, uh, kart race because I had a kart. We turned up at the kart track and actually there's a photo over there if you see it. 
And the first thing we noticed was, why does everyone have engines on the side of their go-kart? Mine's on the back. <laughs> so we're like, oh, there's a problem here. You don't know what you don't know. Yeah, exactly right. So to be honest, first my first go-kart, I was horribly uncompetitive because I had clearly a go-kart that was 20 years old. And where were you racing? At Whittlesea, Humevale. Yep. Yeah, yep. little track in, in Whittlesea, lap record, but I think it was a 13. What were you doing, 15, 16? <laughs> oh, I can't remember. I was way off the Not pace. 13s. Yeah. So, um, yeah, my first probably 12 months in a cart were unremarkable because I had this such an old go-kart. But um, it was sort of, you know, obviously enjoyed it and loved doing it. And once I got a, a go-kart that was a Good. little bit more relevant. <laughs> the engine was on the side. Yeah, <laughs> away we went. Uh, who was helping you? Is it, is it, you're doing this with the family? You got mates helping? How are you getting uh, this all going? Just me and, and the old man. I would have been about 10 ish. Hmm. So he was, you know, and his mechanical skills are even worse than mine, which are <laughs> pretty bad. So, you know, the thing changes the fall off half the time and all that sort of stuff. And it wasn't until we got aligned with the cart shop that you sort of realise why, oh, that's why we're uncompetitive. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> we oh, didn't know what we're doing. We had no idea about <laughs> Yeah. Formula Ford. So was that sort of a ball, Mike Ball and Spectrum connection or what was the first Formula Ford? So it took me a little bit longer than most to, to get a Formula Ford. I was 23 when I first because I had to raise the money to get it. So I went and bought an old 91 Swift. 91 Swift? That one right oh, Actually, yeah, as, <laughs> as you said that, you've got a, one of those um, digital photo uh, frames and it's flicking through photos and as you said that, the car popped up. Am, am I right in remembering? Just a mental flash here while I flash back. Was that, was that car used somewhere down the track in a motorsport news story and it turned out you would like, am I vaguely, it was after I was at the mag, but it went, they did a feature on someone driving a car and it turned out to be your old car? It went to a, uh, one of those Formula Ford race schools. Yeah. So, and then people could hire it to. And just do laps and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually popped up back on the market just recently and oh. I looked at it and I thought, oh, that'd be nice. And then I was. I remember how much it used to cost back. It was, it was the first and only car, race car I've owned. So yeah. I, um, I remembered how much of a bad idea it was owning a race car. So I went, oh, no, I might <laughs> no, just pass. leave that with someone else. But, um, yeah, it was good. It, that was the, my first year I did State Series. So what's that, 97? 97, 97 yeah. Victorian yeah. State Series. Um, where, where did that Swift come from? Was it any, one, any ones of note before you got it? Not that I remember, no. Yeah. No, it had been around the usual sort of done the National Series in 91 and 2 and that sort of thing. So it was sort of six or seven years old when I got it. Um, but it was perfect because everyone went, oh, that car's pretty ordinary. And then I won my second race in it. And then, so they went, ooh, that guy <laughs> so, driving it must be not ordinary. Yeah, and that's how – that's what got me sort of – you know, I met Mike Borland and Peter Lana and those guys and they said, look, you're doing really well but this car's probably – Ready for historics. About at its limit. So, you know, if you want to step up to National Series, which I was obviously – I did a couple of National Series races at the end of 97. I said, you know, we'll, we, we've got some pretty good runs on the board between them. So, yeah, that was um, – that was, and then I, I actually leased the car the next year off Spectrum, which was something that I'm not sure you can even do anymore. But it was back in the time that was perfect for someone like me. Yeah, you just turn up and yeah, steer. You could lease a, a – Car that's worth sixty grand. I didn't have sixty grand. Mm. I had twenty to buy the, little, the old Swift, but I didn't have sixty, <laughs> so I could lease it. Found a little bit of money, and away we went. So, who we spoke before about people who were helping? By by this stage, it's starting to get clearly serious, and we're we're on we're on, we're on the trail here. Yeah. Did your dad step back, or did other people jump in, or how did you still pretty much always felt you like you always rode your own boat pretty well? Yeah. 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 I sort of had to. So yeah, no one else in the boat. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Um, but you know, we I did have a lot of like a lot of help from. And once people realise I, I, that you're serious about it, and that's this is what you want to do, um, people will come and help you. So, mm. which I didn't realise at the time, but yeah. So when I say I, I was rowing my own boat, but I had a lot of yeah a lot of help along the way. So, um, yeah, it was. And I one thing that I was very bad at which i still am is is sponsors so i had a couple of people i sort of would say hey you know and luckily i had a good a few good mates who were good with that sort of stuff that helped along the way and it just sort of rolled from there so look you do the race driving we'll do the chit chatting find the money for you to do the race driving it's a bit like that i think and it's a bit like when someone sees me with a screwdriver and they come over and go 
I'm, I can see you're not really handling that very well. Let me do that and you just go over there. So it was a bit the same with the sponsorship. A couple of people said, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah I think you need some help here. So. <laughs> every lap in under a minute means every second matters. Bosch Power Tools Perth Super Sprint, May 17 to 19. Book now at Tick Attack. Supercars, unforgettable. But it, it clearly... It got you going, got you in, got you up and around. So you did national in 98? Did national in 98. Started well. Um, stuck it on pole at the Grand Prix. Finished third in my first national round. Um, and then had a couple of dramas in the next couple of rounds. I like lost the motor and all that sort of stuff and then ran out of money. So I had these lease cars sitting there and couldn't afford to couldn't run Couldn't afford it. a lease. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd, I'd already paid for the lease, so, but it sat – Basically got halfway through 98 and set out the rest of the year to try and raise money again and then go to the high-profile races at the end of the year, which was the San M 500 support and Bathurst 1000 support. Luckily won both of them and then that's how the Gary Rogers money turned up. Which at the time for – because I almost feel like we're a little bit old. But you're probably explain right, it to yeah. some of our listeners that yeah, at the time right. when you looked in Formula Ford, there was Valvoline – Money and it, and Gary Rogers was sort of kind of in control of it, wasn't he? To put place it with the you know the young driver who looked like so David Bernard had been the Valvoline yep. guy, Marcus Ambrose oh, had yep, been Tander, I reckon. Um, Steve Richards, Steve Richards, Noski, yeah. the other guys had been you know right through those nineties. So if you got picked to be the Valvoline back guy, that was a real tick and a feather in your cap, and that's what you got for ninety nine. Ninety nine, yeah, yeah, absolutely, you're right. It was when that. So, and we were the first ones that was always tied to Van Diemen and we were mm. the first ones that it ever came across the spectrum. So, yeah, it was a big deal at the time. It was proper sponsorship money. So, yeah, it, Gary was instrumental in giving me a, a start like that um, and that led to the 99 season and, and, you know, finishing second in the championship, won half a dozen races and won the Grand Prix, won the IndyCar support and then, yeah, that's that sort of when – I started getting to know people in the paddock a lot more. So that was a situation that because of that sponsorship, you didn't have to find any money? You could just turn up and drive and put all your energy in or did you still have to sort of help make that all happen? It was it still wasn't quite – it wasn't a full budget, um, but it was by far the most spon- sponsorship on the grid. So mm. I used to prep the car myself and my teammate's car, who was actually back then, <laughs> Kenny Habul. Yeah, was right. My That's right, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, and – Solar energy, mate. Should have got in a solar yeah, energy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good budget, but it, it was, was this still at pretty skinny. Workshop. Um, it was actually just across the road from Ballins. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but obviously Mike used to help out a lot. Um, you know, he was he was amazing in, in my career, and um, yeah, really really helped out a lot. Mm. So then, this is at a time, and this, I find this. So you look at the the crop of drivers in Formula Ford. So even just that year in 99 so Greg Ritter won the championship yeah you and Alex Davis were equal on points second yeah two points behind like yeah. it was so close well, that yeah. could have gone either way well in that last race at Oran Park there was a point in the last race where each of us were actually leading the championship that's because how close it was because yeah Swapping, at one yeah. stage yeah I was winning and then Ritter passed Owen Kelly then he was winning and then Alex so we, it was, that's how, how close it got to the end of the year. It was the full yo-yo championship. It was, yep. it was all gone. And the Formula Ford was, you know, there were sort of V8s, Formula Holden, Formula Ford was kind of the progression yeah. at the time. And this is before we're living in a land of super licenses. Yeah, that's right. So so that all goes good. So if we look at, if we stand back and we go, your stocks are up here. Okay, you didn't win the title, but you've done everything but. Yeah. Won a bunch of races, fast. Then what? So then I did the logical step, which was Formula Holden the next year. Mm. Um, didn't have <laughs> – it's pretty pretty common thread. Didn't have enough money to do it Probably. with the top top yep. teams, which at the time was Barana and a um, couple of those sort of teams. So I went um, – I met a lovely bloke, Chris Hocking, mm. who who um, had his own team. And, yeah, we did we – did uh, I didn't do the whole season because, again, didn't have the, enough money, but um, managed to have – a podium at QR, which was their first ever podium. So, yeah, but to be honest, a couple of people said, like, now I was getting beaten by some of the guys that I used to beat in Formula Ford. So because they're, saying, they're in better cars. Yeah, yeah. so they're saying, mm, this is 
maybe not a positive step. So, um, yeah, so then I tried to move into Dun- uh, well, Super 2 back then, which was called… The Conica. Yeah. yeah geez, that's <laughs> yeah. how old we are. Oh, my that, that's God. That's how old we are, There's yeah. young people listening to this going, Conica, what's that? Yeah, and when every car turned up fridge white from the, yeah. from the supercar teams yeah. and that was yeah. just kicking off the ground, so then I sort of tried to get into into that. The Formula Holden, so I remember the, the hocking, so that 2000 season, and we'll, we'll get back to the V8 Bathurst debut from the year before we kind of skipped that, but um, they were cars from the Formula Nippon Championship. They were later 97, I think, yeah. Raynards. Yeah, you're right. All the other guys were kind of the NRCs and the Baranas were in 94, 95s. They'd all been ex-Formula 3000 cars from Europe that they had. Yeah. Yours were sort of like they looked very different. Like yeah. They, not just because they were yellow, but they did stand <laughs> out. Um, but I remember at the time that they – they were, you know, you always think news better, yeah. But it, they're never quite. And and Chris always ran a really tight ship, and yeah. you know, gave lots of young drivers opportunities and stuff yeah, like he, that. Yeah, he was but amazing to it a was lot sort of people. Of, you know, without people like him helping make things like that happen, lots of, lots of young guys in that era of Formula Holden got little opportunities to show what they could do. And yeah. They probably didn't have the money to yeah. really do it. Yeah. So um, those cars be cool to drive though. But, oh, like, uh, everyone I ask says yeah. they're. They were bang on. Yeah, to, to do 13s around Winton and um, 23s around Phillip Island. <laughs> like yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, crazy fast. But, um, yeah, and it's a shame that category sort of fell over because it was it, there was a little time where there was yeah quite a big uh, show. That was probably quite, the quite a big show. just about in yeah, that the numbers just before it. Just starting to dwindle a little bit. Mm. Um, I think maybe as, as the uh, Super 2 thing started to kick off a little bit and people yeah. realised that was a – Probably a more logical step into supercars. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But um, yeah, I'm really glad I got a chance to drive those cars because I think the t- they were so fast. At the time you got into supercar land, and everyone says, "Oh, these cars are amazing fast," and you're like, oh, "No, they're not. <laughs> I don't feel that fast at all." You know, <laughs> slows down if anything. Yeah, because around that time, I can't remember if it was start of that year, end of that year. You went and did an Indy Lights test. You yeah, you went to the states. Like yeah. so the. Who's involved in helping? Because still, you'd had a little bit of a play in the V8. We will. I want to cover off that first Bathurst yeah. and, and that stuff. But the open wheeler pathway was still very much on there. But how are you? How are you doing that? Because you're really making this sort of scratch together to get this stuff going. Because it was Brian Stewart. Yeah, racing. Brian Stewart racing. That's my memory. Yeah, Jeez. I know. It's Jeez. um, and it was pretty late when we discussed this about ten years ago. <laughs> so yeah, amazing. Yeah, it was. To, yeah. So how that all came about? They actually called me. And wow, really? Obviously didn't realise that I had no money. <laughs> well, they probably wouldn't have called, but they had they had Andy Booth test for them. In Kiwi, who had done a bit in, of Formula Holden? In Pahrump, yeah. He, yep. was my, he was my teammate in Formula Holden. So he went over there, did this amazing job, did their fastest ever lap around Pahrump, their test track. And then they, quite smart, did a little bit of background and went, geez, this bloke who's his teammate, is even quicker again, <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> so they called me up and said, do you want to come and do this test? And I'm, I'm like... Yeah. Was the next question how much? Yeah, it, it was ridiculously – like it actually did cost me something. It, for memory, it was like five grand for two days. The team drove across two states, put a set of greens on at the end of the two-day test. Like it was it, – Wow. It wasn't – like for the amount of money that – and we had to raise the money somehow. So if you if you see any of the photos of it, you'll notice that it had some sponsorship on it even on the test day. Just for the photos. <laughs> to, well, because I had to find the five grand somewhere. Yeah, so, justify it. Yeah. yeah, so it was good. We got we got um, Dessa, which was a good Australian company that get behind us and we explained to them the situation and they realised, oh, you're right, this is actually a great opportunity. It's five grand well spent. So it's we went. a pretty cheap spend in the grand scheme. And it, like Indy Lights at the time was a, you know, still a pretty solid – Pathway like Bridie had gone and done yeah, it, and yeah, it was, lots it, of guys who'd got to IndyCar and Champ Car. Had it was gone it was that. huge, and there was actually at the end of the test they said, right, that's good, did really well, went as, as well as we thought. This is the deal. This is how much prize money we reckon you'll win. So we're happy to come in and, and help out. So it was it was actually for a, a development category. There was a lot. If you went all right, there was a lot of money. Mm. So it actually it was a shame we we couldn't end up finding the budget anyway because mm. it was. A, it was a, it's still hundreds, but um, yeah, it was a great experience, and the cars were awesome, and, and it sort of just yeah. I look back and a couple of those things now, when people see them on the news, they go, "Oh, this bloke's doing this and this and this," um, and it yeah, just kind of another feather in your cap, I guess. I think it just adds to people's perception that you're doing these things overseas. Um, and actually, one of my first big breaks was. 
because of a misunderstanding with Peter Brock about a test I'd had overseas. Oh, yeah? So, oh, so is this what led to that Delta Europe kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, which was – so I won a test in Formula 3 at Zandvoort in, from, from Formula Ford. They said, right, okay, we want to send you over it. So I went and did this test in Zandvoort, two-day test, and then – So this was after Formula Ford during 2000? At the end of 99, I went yeah. and did this test, and then when Brock was involved in that Europe car deal with James and they needed someone to get into pre-qualifying – Someone had told Peter about me and he thought that I'd been racing over there. <laughs> so he told the team, hey, you've got to go and get this bloke because he's been racing Formula 3 in Europe. And that's cutthroat and that's really yeah. good category. And, and obviously Peter knew that. If you're any good, you're good over there. Yeah. yeah. And then it wasn't until sometime later down the road after we'd gone and done Bathurst and all those <laughs> events that we're talking about it. And I said, no, I didn't race over there. I was just testing. Just testing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was good that such a big break happened from a misunderstanding. Hey, you got to take them when you, <laughs> you get gotta them. you got to take them when they come. But by that stage, that was your third Bathurst because yep. you'd already done. So if we rewind back, so in 99, you didn't get picked up to drive the Enduro because the first Enduro was the Queensland, yep. the first ever Queensland 500. So obviously they had Garth and Bargs for the – because you could pair up your main blokes. That's right, those yeah. days. So they grabbed um, – Greg Ritter, yep. who had won the Formula Ford Championship, and Matty Coleman, yep. who'd been driving for Brad in the Audis in the Super Tours. That That's year. right. But after Queensland, they made a swap and they put you in yeah. and took Matt out. Yeah. So how did that all come about? I mean, you, you, you're at a point here where your your stocks are pretty good. You've just had a really good year. Um, you, do you cop a phone call from Gaz or how does this all Yeah, go so Gary called me up and in his usual straight-to-the-point way, said, um, Steve, I'm going to win, uh, Calder on Wednesday. I want you to come and drive the car. Um, be there at 10. Don't bring your dog or your girlfriend. And Did you have either at the time? <laughs> I can't remember. But I just, I, that, that, that bit stuck with me because, you know, Gary's pretty straight at the point. Don't bring a whole lot of people, obviously. And, like, and didn't say why or what? No, I just said. Or did you have an intimation what it was about? Oh, I just said, mate, I want you to come and drive the car. And it's in auto action this weekend for sale for 180 grand. So I'll leave that with you. <laughs> that was code for don't crash it. Don't stuff it. So, yeah, I went out there a quarter at 10 o'clock. Didn't take my dog or my girlfriend. <laughs> and it's funny, everyone thought that or just assumed that I'd driven a supercar before. Just like Brock assumed that you'd been racing Formula yeah, 3. Yeah, so they, just, they thought oh, this bloke will know what he's doing. So as I was sitting in the car on the radio, he said, okay, mate, fire it up. And I didn't know how to start it because I've never sat in one before. So I'm, I found the ignition switch, which is labelled, and went, oh, yeah, next to the ignition switch was a big red button. So I thought, oh, that looks oh. like that looks like oh, the starter no. button. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, nearly. So oh. as I was just about to set the firebomb off, the <laughs> mechanic was watching me and said, oh, no, 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 not that one, this one down here. So, yeah, it could have all been could have gone over quickly. before it started. So, yeah, we went and did 40, 50 laps. And, um, on the long track or the short track? On the long track. Long track, yeah. And um, and then went to Bathurst two so, weeks later. So basically you went, all right, good, you're in. Yeah, so I did – I did. Got we got to lunch and Gary's obviously been around for a while, had some race tape over the dash so he couldn't see what lap times you're doing, which is smart. I would have done that now that I've, I know what I was like back in those days. Yeah. And I said to the mechanics, you know, how far off am I? Like just give me a bit of a heads up just, here. Just a rough round. Yeah, yeah. Around. And they're like, no, no, you're faster. And I'm like, okay, cool. So <laughs> that, um, yeah, we went, when we went to Bathurst, it was weird Greg and I racing together because we'd been banging wheels all, all year in Formula Ford and now we're in the same team driving the same car. But, um, no, we, we got along pretty well. Uh, you hadn't had any run-ins during that year at all? Oh, we, we banged into each other a half dozen times, but um, we, we both went there and we are both sort of similar speed and, you know, we and Gary said, if you blokes just keep going around, around, you'll finish in the top ten. And sure enough, we finished ninth mm. first year. We didn't we? We weren't particularly speedy, but it didn't matter. Yeah, we he kept was going. Right, yeah, he yeah. was. He, and so yeah, Gary was, was instrumental in, in helping me out. Do you ever giggle these days when you see all this stuff about super licenses and you have got to do this many that and that many this? Where you'd done what Formula Ford for a couple of years, and never you know, tested a V8 supercar once. Yeah. And your career debut in a V8 supercar is at Bathurst yeah. in a 55-car field. I reckon I, I worked it out. I reckon I'd done 20-something car races in my whole career by the time I got to <laughs> Bathurst. <laughs> it's, it's not many, is it? It's, it's pretty short. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty – from your first car race was, what, 90, 
97. 97 state series. So, so, so what, March or April or July something? July 25th, 97. How's, how's your memory? Yeah. <laughs> Not a job at Sleuth. Jeez. <laughs> Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil and find out. So from July 97 to November 99, from your first car race and you're in the Bathurst 1000. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's hard to beat. That's hard to top. But it might have shown a little bit because I Greg started the first practice and called us a pretty simple track. Like you can get to within a, a second. Mm. There's only four corners there. You know? Yeah, big long straight. I, I, I drive out mid middle of the first practice session. I thought, I know Bathurst. I won here last year in Formula Ford. I'll be right. But it's nearly flat across the top in Formula Ford. And all of a sudden it's a fair bit different, this track, than I remember. <laughs> and I was wobbling around that bad that I got turned around on my outlap at, oh, at Skyline. No. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't even get a lap in, got turned around at Skyline because I was so slow relative to – They just whacked you. I was like, one of the Brabham boys would have just come across me, you know, going five seconds of that quicker and I got turned around on my outlap at Bathurst. <laughs> Luckily, it didn't do much damage. Luckily, what happened on Sunday was the bit to remember rather than what happened on Thursday. Yeah, I can, I can laugh about that story now. But at the time, the time, it was like – This uh, is not a good start. This is not good, no. Did Gary say anything? Gary was really good, actually. He, he got me out of the car and he said, come over here. And I thought, oh, this is going to be the biggest pull through you'll ever. Mm. He just, don't even let that bother you. Don't even worry about it. He was, and so I was sort of relieved and the boys kicked the rear panel off the tyre and I jumped back in, went back out and, yeah, we never, <laughs> we never spoke about it again. <laughs> <laughs> Hope this didn't remind him. So we, we covered, so great start, like sensation. Could not have gone better yeah. for your first Bathurst. Yeah. There's the Formula Holden stuff, the American Open Wheeler thing, which, you know, money, money, it's always money. Yeah. Do I have a memory that was it you at Winton in that 2000 Formula Holden season? Was it your wheel that flew off and hit the media centre? I, I punched a hole in the media centre wall, yeah. 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 yeah, that was like me. A, in, in what the first chicane, you know, turn one, two. Yeah. You and someone else got together and a wheel flew off and it, the media centre used to be on the outside of the track there, yeah. cannon into the bottom that's the one. Level. That yeah. was you, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so P- PD went – he got a bit wide at one and then sort of came back onto the track at an angle and was only was, – was quite – like I said, there was a big speed difference. So as I went past, it just ripped the whole rear wheel off, like suspension and all, and the wheel went 50 metres into the air and punched a big hole in the side of the, the brick walk and nearly took out a couple of photographers. Mm. It, was, yeah. it was pretty ugly at the time. Yeah, luckily everyone got away with it, which mm. could have been a lot worse. So – 2000 Formula Holden, Indy Lights. So we're starting to build a bit of a resume here. This yeah. is starting to come together. Like people are seeing capability here. They're seeing, all right, he's not driving the best car in Formula Holden, but we've seen what he's done. Yeah. So uh, I think there was a Bathurst with Matty White in his car. For, Next year, 2000, Matty so White. You guys ended up having in being in one another's worlds a little bit. Yeah, quite, quite a bit. Where, yeah. why, where, what, how, where? So, yeah, I'd kind of done the – from the Holden thing and didn't know where to go next. Um, Matty White was getting his engines done by Gary Rogers' as engine builder. Mike Excel. Yeah. 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 And I've never actually bought him a beer for this because it, Maybe it you helped. Should, yeah. yeah I, I, so he says to Matty, who, who are you going to drive with? And Matty sort of gave me a list of names. Oh, I'm thinking this bloke, this bloke, this bloke. And he said, I know I'd like to smoke all of them. Oh, you weren't on the list. No. Right. Yes. And he said, oh, who's it? So Maddie called me up and said, hey, um, do you know this bloke? And I said, no, not really. He, he was the engine builder from last year. He said, oh, he's told me to come and get you to drive with me. Interested. So that's how it all came about. So I was just luckily that um, he was taking his engines to Mike. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Worked out well. Yeah. So this is a common thread here. Reputations building – Good word here or there. You haven't just 
because it's not your nature to pick up the phone and hustle and hustle and ring. Yeah, and that's ring and right. I want to drive. I can drive. I'm the greatest ever. Yeah. Or I've got you know a wad full of cash and I can. I've got these five sponsors and it's not you. No, it's that's not your right. Style. Yeah. So those little people that made the difference along the way to go, hey, no, those blokes are no good. Get this bloke. He drove our car last year. He was great. Absolutely. There's a few of those sort of key moments that I look back on where I'm like, geez, I was lucky that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. That, and that was one of them. Yeah, it's like the little little lily pads that you step on. Yeah, and sometimes they sink, and sometimes they're really solid, and you, yep. you get offered up a few extra lily pads along the way. But um, I remember then that. So where were we at the end of two thousand? So for two thousand and one, so the Brock Delta Europe car, Mike Emery car. Everyone remembers that green car, the Delta yep. car for um, for both the Enduros. I think it was too. But it, the tire let go in the first stint at Bathurst, and James is in the. That's right. In the pit at the chase. I don't think you even got a drive, did you? No, I didn't. I, the way that all came about was obviously Peter was, was instrumental because in Because you'd raced the full in. season of European Formula 3, so, hadn't you? So he thought. <laughs> but what helped me at that stage, which everyone hated, which I loved, was pre-qualifying. Yeah. So once pre-qualifying came in and you needed someone to qualify the car, all of a sudden – they were looking for people that were quick because it, the, it's the only way to the, get a start. Yeah, they didn't necessarily yeah. have money because they're like, well, we we can't take all these young blokes' money, and, and they don't get in the race because Saturday night. Then the sponsor doesn't pay, and so all of a sudden, they, my phone started ringing after not ringing <laughs> very very much. <laughs> so in 01, you'd not got anything going. No, it was 01 was a pretty quiet year because I just got to that point where it's like, well, I can't afford to do Super Two. I can't afford to do Formula Holden. I'm Got a, I've had a couple of Bathurst starts and gone all right, but I haven't probably got enough runs on the board yet. So, it was, yeah, what it, are you doing to keep yourself afloat here? Are you working? Yeah, you I, was, I was still doing all the sort of working. Were you asleep the, at the server? Same or? sort of jobs. I didn't start the server a little bit. Um, no, that was, I don't think I was back then. I think you're testing my memory, but yeah, I was, I was still d- doing my best. But like, like you pointed out, I'm not much of a hustler. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I just literally didn't know what to do next. So, I, I, Hadn't given up. I was just at a point where I didn't know where to go. Mm. Basically, did you have a manager at all in that era? At all? Ever? No, I never. No, I never. Never. I should, probably should have, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> because I did need that. I did need that help, that commercial help that I was never good at. But um, and that's probably why it took me a little bit longer. Um, but then, yeah, luckily when we got together with Mike and Marie, then started running a car in Dunlop Series or, you know, Conica back. And so then I got a few starts in that and then that sort of helped get the momentum back rolling again. Mm. I love the story about Brock thinking that you'd race the season <laughs> of F3. I'm, I'm still giggling about that one. Um, what did you pick up from being around him? And obviously James was um, – he was heavily involved in helping James try to move through at the time. Yeah. Tell, yeah, you got a well. That's a good Brock story. That's hard to beat it as a Brock story. But yeah. just being around him, I mean, you couldn't help but, even though he wasn't racing by that stage, still he still had this aura around him. And you know, I guess to you as a kid, probably he's a, a racing hero of some sort because he was for most people. But, Absolutely. You know, hanging around him is like holy crap. I'm hmm, hanging around with Brock. This is a bit weird. Yeah. Oh, my first Bathurst in '84 as a kid. I. Remember standing at turn one when there was just the chicken wire fence, and he was the first car that went past. Big bang of day glow, yeah, big big V VK, yeah, yeah, Yeah. and yeah, I sort of remember that to to this day because that was like, ah, I got to do that. That's cool. Yeah, I want that. Yeah, so yeah, so, so for him to be involved in our team, and he was sort of like a team manager back in when he was around. So he, you know, he he could wander into. I remember we end up borrowing some front shocks from Rod Nash Racing because he could wander in anywhere and say, "Hey, we need this," mm. and people would just give it to him. Yeah, so sure. it, was, it was a huge help having him in the team. But probably the, the the next connection there that was a big deal was that Ryan McLeod was team manager. And so, speaking of managers, Ryan ended up being sort of like my unofficial manager because he could see that I was he was really good at all that commercial stuff, and he could see that I wasn't. Mm, mm. Um, so, yeah, he was a team manager at the time. So that was probably the next step was when James stopped racing supercars. I met Ryan and then Ryan sort of helped me out along the way from there. And Mike Imry was a big part there because that was an Imry car, that Delta green car. Yeah. But then, as you said, that flowed into doing a bit – because at the time 
You could run the same model car in the development series and the main championship. So I think Mike actually did a bit of that. that I think the one car actually did both at one stage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Swap the numbers and swap the Konica sticker to a shell sticker on the door. Yeah. So we had Thomas Mazira doing main game in it and then I was doing. Did he call it a shitbox? He calls a lot of things shitboxes. It's, um, well, Mike had a sub wrecking yard. Mm. So half of the parts on it were (laughs) sub. (laughs) So it was a, it was a great car and. I didn't realise at the time how lucky I was and how much Mike was, was helping me out because, you know, you just think, oh, this bloke wants me to drive his race car, but it's, you know, he, it's very unusual for that to happen, you know. Because normally people who are funding it want to do it themselves. Yeah, but yeah. in, you know, guys like him give an opportunity to guys like you to go, no, no, well, I've had my fun or I want to help someone out and here's a guy that showed a bit. And, and you, your Emory period there, you know, because people knew at that point what you were up against. Yeah. We knew that Port Umbrella's in a Marty Brandt car yeah, that was right. Russell Ingalls from the year before. We kind of had a benchmark on the equipment everyone had. Yeah. So if you were punching good in a Mike Imry car that wasn't an ex-hand-me-down main game car, it yeah. was Mike's team had built it, run it. I think they built two in the end, didn't they? they yeah. Another one. But um, that probably helped you again because or if you're doing good in that, and we know that's not the best car in the field, then what could he do if he was in a good car? Yeah, you're right. It was probably in a way like the first year we gave Rogers in a car that Bugs and Tander were racing for the lead and we're running around sort of midfield, there's probably a little bit of pressure on you because you think mm. that you, you think those blokes aren't doing very well. But, yeah, being in that car with zero pressure was probably a good way to get some miles under my belt. Um, and I remember saying to Ryan at one stage, I said, it's pretty nervous across the, across the hump. He said, oh, at McPhillamy, yeah, they're always like that. I'm like, no, up mountain straight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I'm having a lift. And he's like, ah, okay. That's so, not good. Yeah, so, but, but you're right. It was, a, it was probably a nicer way to get miles and experience without the pressure of being in a big team. So Ryan identified clearly because he'd been racing. He raced that first year, that Conica series for John Faulkner racing. Yeah. And there's a little John Faulkner story to come a bit later. Um, but by then he was sort of more starting to get into the racing preparation stuff. And, and so was it a case where he just went, mate, you are shit ass at all this other stuff. You're good at this bit. Let me help you. Like people identified yeah. that you could do the bit that needed to be done and yeah. they might be able to help you out with the other bits. Pretty much, yeah. He, he, Ryan had just had a kid so he was, he was be- becoming a sensible person and I was still a single bloke that was trying to chase the dream. So he um, – and then not long after that he started Racer Industries – so probably the, the key thing was that he was in and out of race teams every day. All the time. So he Parts and gear. knew exactly what was going on before most people did. So he'd call me up and say, hey, those blokes need, need a driver. Give him a call. And mm. I'd be like, oh, okay. So in a, a lot of times I was Johnny on the spot because I knew <laughs> what was happening. And, and people said it to me, they're like, how did you end up getting all those? So it was, it was like – Ryan just knew everyone. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he was and he was on it before anyone else. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So that that was yeah, and that that was such a big another one of those moments that you're like, geez, I'm lucky that happened, you know. Yeah, yeah. It they're changes. They yeah. really changed the pathway for you. Yeah. So oh, 2002, So there's the Emory stuff that's going on. Meanwhile in Queensland, Briggs Motorsport is rolling along. They've expanded. John Bowers left. They've gone to a couple of better cars. They've got the cat car. And then I guess you get a phone call. Well, and, that, and exactly what um, Ryan was selling some bits to them and the team manager said, oh, we've got this test coming out this weekend. Oh, who you got coming along? This bloke, this bloke, this bloke. Ryan said, oh, I reckon my bloke's better than all them. <laughs> so I, I was actually driving for Emory, but then I ended up doing this test for another team and the test went well. Um, and then – yeah, they offered me the gig at Bathurst that year. But it became a bit more than that though too because Simon Wills was with them uh, who you'd raced against in Formula Holding He won the championship the year that you did. Yeah, he was, he was lit in those cars. Yeah, yeah. Baranaka. But he had a blue and left. Yep. So the cat seat popped up and they put you in the car for – was it Winton I think they did? Yeah, they sort of – they put me in the car for Winton. They put Dean Canto in the car for Pookie. They sort of – They had a few guys. Yeah, they put sort of three or four different guys in – for the sprint rounds, but then I jumped in at Bathurst with Dale Breed. Mm. Mm. How did that all go? Because I always got the feeling that team was – because that's the team that became Triple Eight as famously is, yeah. is known. But 
at that time they were a bit all over. I mean, they had great corporate backing. Yeah. They ran a really good show. It all looked quite good, but they just hadn't got it to click and link together. Yeah, and they someone made the mistake of telling a young bloke, well, I was still relatively young back you. then. Yeah, um, you were still at, you'd be what, in your, you know, teens, you know. No, late 20s. I was being really <laughs> <laughs> Luckily I looked young, so people didn't realise how, oh, how old I was. Face. Yeah. They said, look, the sponsor's out unless we start winning races. And Cat. Yeah. So, Gee, no pressure for the young boys. Yeah, so he, first drive at Bathurst, it's basically the equation is win or you lose your drive anyway. Which I would never tell a young bloke now because it, that's not going to help. No, it didn't help. And not part of your mentoring role at the Toyota Gazoo eighty six Racing Australia. Series. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Park that one away. So it was probably, and it was probably in hindsight an opportunity in a, in a competitive car that probably could have been on the podium, but I wasn't quick enough to be on the podium then. So, of course, with the pressure of you're going to have to win this thing or you're out. Um, I shortened it up pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> so, I was going to say, I was going to win it or bin it. Yeah. So, were you in the car when it was binned? Yeah. Up yeah. the top of the hill, yeah. backwards into the wall. Yeah. So I stuck it in under the tree and, um, yeah, that was that. They didn't ring you back? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, funny about that. <laughs> but John was actually, John was really good. I got along with him quite well and stayed at his place when I came up to test you. So, But, again, it was just, it was an opportunity that was kind of, Dwindling because the team obviously then moved to Triple Eight at the same time, but um, at least it just kept me once in once you're in that loop of doing Bathurst every year. If you miss a year, yeah, you're done. Yeah. So yeah. even though it didn't work out <laughs> as well as we all would have liked, um, it still was another. And by then, I, that was Bathurst number four or three or three or four. Uh, so four. Yeah. yeah so ninety nine double oh oh one oh two four. Yeah. Yep. So it was. It, by then, it sort of. You become that regular bloke on the grid. Mm. And, what, yeah, it's a big thing that a lot of drivers have. Once you miss one, it's really hard. Whether yeah. it's a full-time seat or an endurance co-drive, it, it's like that. I really reckon the industry has a really, sadly, a really short memory. Very short memory. Really <laughs> yeah, short memory. Yeah. So I get why drivers are so uh, about being left out for you because yeah. it's, it's it's a long road it's back. The beginning of the end, yeah. Mm. <laughs> so... 2002, Briggs, we've turned the Falcon into a Festiva at Bathurst. Yeah. So then we're back to where we were. For yeah. You, really, we're back to nothing to do for 03. Pretty much, But yeah. then another person, you know, that's part of the journey is Robert Smith from my yeah. old hometown of Ballarat. Yeah. Ran a trucking business, Smith's Trucks. He bought a V8 supercar. He bought a couple actually over the journey. He yeah. hill climbed some touring cars and stuff and then he bought – um, an old Truckee Parsons car, and then he ended up buying the car that's lovingly known as Bam Bam, yep. a Paul Morris car. So, so for 03 until the Enduros, you did nothing again. Were you? Yeah, up? yeah, pretty much. Didn't do didn't do a lot of racing. Scratched around doing bits and pieces here. Might have done a, a race or two with with Mike with Emery, um, but then if someone came along with a budget, I'd have to watch. So it was sort of it was patchy. But um, at least I was still sort of hanging in there, just trying to make things make things happen. And luckily, when Smithy bought Bam Bam, he asked Ryan McLeod to go. And I, I actually, which and is it, from Morris's team. They, they used to name all their yeah, cars. Yeah, yeah. So Bam Bam Astro was the first one. Bam Bam was the second one. So Ryan called me up and said, "Hey, I've got a gig for you at Bathurst. It's a good news. Bad news is you've got to come to Queensland and screw the car together with me as well." And I went, oh, that's yeah, not, that's not, not so such bad. bad news. Yeah, <laughs> so, I could take that. Yeah, yeah, so we came up to Paul's and screwed it together for a couple of weeks and then took it to Bathurst. And that was another lily pad moment where Ryan's Absolutely, pushed yeah. you into a gig, yep. basically yep. where, you know, he's the right guy in the right place and the right connection at the right time that, you know, opens another door. Yeah, and initially Smithy wasn't keen on the idea because he said, oh, he's just your mate, you know, you're sick and you made in the car. And Ryan said, oh, Let's just get on the list of drivers and get the first one that's not contracted Because Ryan would have dealt year. really well with uh, that sort of approach too, I reckon. He would have been, ah, ah, ah hang on a minute. Yeah. Here's, the, here's the list. Let yeah. me go through it with so you. So Smithy said, right, that's a good idea. Let's go through the list and see who's the first bloke that's not signed up. And they got down to P12 or whatever qualified the year before and Ryan went, that bloke there. And he said, oh, okay, all right, carry on. Point taken. <laughs> yeah, so so it all, um, it all went well. Because that was – so that was the Smith's Trucks car of – because that was a VX. It was 
the main cars were VYs by that stage, but yeah. still VX was still a competitive sort of a thing. Yeah. Uh, was that was that the year at Bathurst when you and Cam McLean got That's together the, one. the first quarter? Yeah. Or was, you both were cooked for the day. There. No, no, we kept going. Well, you got yeah, going, but it, Mc- it delayed. McLean um, unfortunately went in the fence. But, yeah, it was just – it was actually – it was – I was being so polite because I was like, I don't want to crash this thing after last year. So I went down to turn one and I knew I'd out-qualified a few cars that I probably didn't really want to race. Like, like Cam like was in regular the, main game. Yeah, he was gosh. in the second Kmart racing mm. team car. So I was like, well, I don't really want to race him and all these quick guys. So I kind of let him pass at one and I was so polite. It just we just got out of sync and tripped over each other, basically. So I spoke to him about it afterwards, and it was a sh- it was a shame. But um, again, it was just a, another year of hanging in there. So mm. and I had enough pace. I think one of the practice sessions we were quite high up there. So then, and and again in, in that privateer car, people kind of look at that and go, "Well, that bloke's mm. not doing a bad job." And because that's still in the years where the full timers were together, and they'd get other drivers to drive the second car. Yeah. So you could knock off as you did. There was some of those main game teams, the second cars that you were in front of. Yeah. Which that gets attention. That yeah. Gets attention if you're doing that in, you know, a privateer bloke from Ballarat's car. That's you know, it's good hardware, but still you've got to go and do it. And, yeah. You know, that, that's right. And it sort of stands out on the grid when you stand there and you've got all these main game because all those cars used to look. The same, quite often the two cars will be painted up the same. Mm. And then you've got this Smith Trucks car sitting amongst just all these. Just in the middle of it all. Kmart and HRT cars and you, it just kind of stands out. So yeah, who's it, that guy? Yeah. How did he get in here? Yeah. Who left the gate open? Yeah. Oh, mate. And then you went back to Formula Ford. Yeah. Or was that a case of all you could afford and just or just to go back and start again or what was the thinking it, there? So I – because I'd got to a bit of a crossroad and I felt like I was banging my head against the door. So I, I called up the head of motorsport at Ford. I can't even remember who it was at the time. Oh, there's a few different ones. Stephen Crook maybe? Would have been, yeah, one of those yeah, guys. A, yeah, a couple of different ones in that sort of decade. And said, look, you know, um, what do I need to do here? Like, And he said, oh, we, we, we just look at Formula Ford. And I went, mm, okay, I don't really want to do that again. Couldn't you have just said, here's 1999? Yeah, yeah, like- exactly. Um, so, and I had a, a deal fall over to do the full – season in Conica at the last minute. What was it going to be? We love we love it exposed deal here, the deals that didn't happen. We yeah, love those yeah. Well, well, I was trying to do a deal with Smithy to do the whole year after in, in Bam Bam and then Owen Kelly ended up in the car. Obviously, he had a bit of backing and stuff. So oh, that, that was on, under- no, no, no. So he had been in the Smith's car the year before. A girl was in the Bam Bam car. Girl, was it? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. One of those. Po- so, yeah. yeah. So that but kind it wasn't of, you. That's the bit. Yeah, that that's the. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. So, and then just the opportunity to, I was working back then at a uh, Formula Ford race school out at Calder, so prepping the cars and doing that sort of stuff. And the opportunity to, that expanded into a Formula Ford team. And, of course, the first thing that they said, well, who are we going to put in it? Well, you used to go right in those things, didn't you? I'm like, okay, <laughs> we are back in Formula <laughs> Ford. So I went and did Formula Ford again and won a heap of races, like 10 races or something crazy, but didn't win the championship. I, I finished – Reynolds won the championship that year. Oh, that's right. He and Macro were fighting for it at the very end. Yeah. Who was – so we teammates with Macro that was in the so, spectrum? Sort of. Sort of similar liveried cars. Same livery but, but different teams. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but both spectrum, so yeah, similar. Um but the, the funny thing about all that is that I, then I went to Bathurst in the Kmart car. Brady and Brady was starting a new team the year after in Brighton Brightech. So they did the same old trick where they pulled out the grid sheet and went, who's the first bloke that's not contracted? And I qualified the Kmart car just out of the top 10. I think it was 12th or 11th. I reckon, was, yeah. And it like, was almost in because we I was in the garage that yeah. year working for that team and, and that was again – the second car very rarely didn't make it in the shootout with the non-full timers in it. Yeah, and you nearly snuck it in there. Yeah, and I knew that. I knew that if I could get it in the shootout, it'd be huge. So I was a bit disappointed. I just missed out. But there, then Brady picked up the timesheet and went, "Who's who are we going to get for next year?" And went, "Oh, that bloke's not signed. Let's go and get him." So then the funny thing when I was doing the deal with Brady and we're sitting somewhere signing all the contract, and he said, "Did you do Formula Ford this year?" He didn't know. <laughs> so, everyone, so all that effort that the bloke from Ford said, do Formula Ford, we look at Formula Ford. He didn't know. He and, hadn't looked. And then it came out in the media, oh, this bloke's gone back to Formula Ford and won all these races and that's propelled him straight into a main game team. 
I'm like, no, he didn't even he know. He didn't even know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I just looked at the, the grid sheet from Bathurst and, and went, oh, yeah, that bloke's yeah, that, he's going pretty good for the um, non contracted qualifying sheet has served you very well in that period of, yeah. of your world. Um, 2004, there was also a little opportunity to go back into the Conica, it was still Conica then, with John Faulkner's yeah. Young Lions team. And I remember it vividly at Winton. Um, Michael Caruso had been driving the car and had stepped out and that had all ended. And um, I've I got to tell you, we've got a question section later on that our, our race fans have sent in some great questions. But yeah. One of them was a certain Jay Faulkner from Gold Coast oh, Queensland. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> uh, and said that, um, you know, it, it was said that the car wasn't competitive. They got you to have a drive, hadn't driven it, hadn't tested it, roll in, put it on the front row of the grid and I think you were fighting for the win with Owen Kelly yeah, and DJ right. Fujitsu car and you guys got together and it, and it broke. But he said um, you were banging into each other for the win with a couple to go. I said on the radio, let him go, second's okay, but you sent it anyway. <laughs> I, I actually don't yeah. even remember, to be honest, JF saying that, so that's probably tells you that I didn't even listen at the time. <laughs> but, but, yeah, like, I think at, by then – I knew it was such a big opportunity, like, and the car was good, like, yeah. Because that was one of JF's cars that he had run previously. It wasn't a Clayton HRT. Yeah, he, he was Young Lions at that stage on his own. Yeah, thing. It, it was signed up. It looked like a Young Lions car, so everyone thought it, it was, it was a HRT Young Lions. car. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But it wasn't an actual HRT. No, it wasn't. But the car was good, so I was like. I need to make some hay while the sun's mm, shining. Mm. So when I could see the lead and was qualifying the front row, yeah, I thought, no, nah, I've got to, I've got to do some good things in this thing because the opportunities by then were starting to come fairly sporadically. Mm. A little bit of irony in all of this too that um, the Kmart drive that you got for 04 with Tim Lay in the second um, car. So that was the lap of the gods car that, that yeah. you drove because they actually. Uh, they used Rick's car for Bathurst that year and you got Murph's car. Yeah. So the the way that the numbers all worked out was that it stayed as 51. But was it a case that the Faulkner thing and the Young Lions one-off had got helped get the Kmart right? Or that, 100%. That, yeah, that, yeah, that was the thing. 100%. That, so. Ironically, the team that you clashed with the previous year, you've ended up in their car. Yeah, that was – that was um, yeah. Someone else suggested that was quite ironic. But, yeah, 100%. Like, went to Winton with JF – Went, went well, had, had a heap of pace. The engineer for that car was a Kmart engineer who'd been loaned to JF. And so at the end of the weekend he said, hey. Who was that? Um, Ian Ford, his name was. Yeah. He's an American dude and another. Oh, Ian Brown. Ian, Ian Brown, Brown, sorry, Ian Brown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love, yeah. Lovely guy. Ripper, and, yep. and again, another one of those key moments where it's like, oh, wow, I'm lucky that happened. So he said, hey, leave it with me. Um so you're not pressing him. He's gone and done this off his own back. He was engineering the Young Lions car. So mm. at the end of the weekend he, he went, leave it with me. I reckon I might have something for you for Bathurst. So I went, oh, okay, that'd be good. And then, yeah, a week later the phone rang and I went to Clayton and did a seat fitting. It was like, geez, that actually went pretty well. <laughs> so, I think it went very well. Yeah, it went yeah very so well. it, was, it was lucky that um, he had that connection back to Kmart Racing and that was what got me in the, in the car in 04. I love these stories because when you actually – you're not really thinking about that at the time, I'm sure. You're just so zeroed in on the next opportunity, the next drive, the next race, the next gig, the next dollar Yeah. that uh, stopping and looking at the whole way that things flow and who you meet and when and how, Yeah. now that you can sit there and you know stop and think about it now, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's and pretty cool. it was a bit of a, a case of like the week before the winter round, I'm sort of sitting there thinking to myself – I think I'm screwed here. Like I've got nowhere to go and no money. <laughs> so what do I do? And so I was a bit sort of down on the whole thing. And then two weeks later I'm in Clayton doing a seat fitting in a HRT in, in, in car. The, in the actual <laughs> car that won the previous year's race. Yeah. Like Yeah, it's, <laughs> it was a good couple of weeks. It's a good couple of weeks. <laughs> and that decision to do Formula 4 didn't really matter in the end, did it? No, but it, it I think it, it was good because it, it just – Again, like I'd spent two or three years of not doing a huge amount of racing and I, all of a sudden in 04 I did a lot of racing. Mm. So I was pulling a helmet on regularly and so I think it, it, it did help. It ironically didn't help get me signed for Brightech even <laughs> though everyone thought it was some <laughs> career masterstroke. But, um, yeah, I think it still definitely helped. So the, the pathways come back together for, at Brightech because – you go there, Matty White yeah. is there as well. So you guys yep. come back together after driving what, five years earlier. Yep. But 
we were in an era there where it was a restricted grid. Thirty-two cars was the the field to be. You know, thirty-two sounds like a lot now compared to yeah, what we have. Yeah, but that was the field um, with some extra cars that at certain tracks couldn't get on the grid. I think Perth was one. Yeah. China was one. So Adelaide, I think. I oh, know Adelaide that uh, we did that year. Um, I think it was, Grand, it was a couple Grand of rounds. Prix. Yeah, that was a limited one. So and Larry had the same issue with his cars, but basically, Jason Bright had a situation where one franchise was locked in, but yep. the other one was uh, you had to be in the top thirty-two to get the gig to yeah, and to it, go the next round. It was just a franchise that they bought that happened to be out of the top thirty-two. Mm. So if you bought that franchise, then that was considered. You out. inherited that yep. status of it all. So yep. when you signed up there, did you know that was the deal? That you would be in that one that was limited and not at all around? I didn't, but to be honest, I didn't have a lot of options at that point. <laughs> and when a guy like Brody calls you up and says, hey, do you want to come and drive for me full time? Uh, sure. Yeah. I, when he said, have a look at the contract, I think I was already signing it at the time. <laughs> he gave it to me, yeah. It wasn't for a lot of money, but, you know, it was such a good opportunity that I just went, yeah, i got to do this, so. Um, and, and I was 30 then, so mm. I wasn't getting any younger. Mm. It had taken me seven years to get from Formula Ford to a full-time ride. Um, so I was like, I've got to take this. Mm. Mm. Made sense. I mean, he obviously wasn't there because he went to FPR as part of his Ford deal to That's right. have that whole thing come together. So what was the – I mean, Fujitsu backing two cars. Yeah. They had a lot of stuff going on. They ended up with a rally car program there <laughs> yeah, at one yeah. point, which having spoken to Bridie and Chris Jewell over the journey caused a lot of headaches and yeah. a lot of blowing engines and all sorts of grief. But um, opportunity is an opportunity. Yeah, you're, and in, you're on the grid. It was a two-year deal. So I thought, okay, it's a new team. Um, new team's always going to have a little bit of a learning curve, but with Bridie behind it, it'll be a good deal. Um, but then probably halfway through the first year, when it was still growing and to be honest, having a young driver in there, probably they probably needed someone that was a bit more experienced because I really didn't know much about how to move a team forwards. This was my first year. So at the end of the first year, I got an opportunity or an offer to join Rod Nash Motorsport, a bit more established. And so I kind of went, okay, this is maybe a better option. So I ended up actually buy my way out of the contract to go really? to Rod Nash, yeah. So, so in the days where we've, it's a recent topic in supercars as we record this with drivers being allowed out of contracts, scot-free, off you go. Yeah. You actually bought yourself out. You didn't even try it. Did you try to talk your way out of it or did you just, just slap the money down? And it was, it was a while ago now, so my memory of it is probably not great. But, um, yeah, for me it wasn't even like I, I think I – Probably had to pay half of my wage for the first year to get out of the second year, but I, I was just like, no, nah, I think this is what I need to do. Um, so, yeah, I jumped out of that and then jumped in with Rod Nash. So and then that was another two-year deal. So I went, okay, well, at least – because, you know, the first year is always hard to get enough momentum. Um, look at Jamie, for example, you mm, know, mm. and you get to that point where you, you're just starting to come good and then you're out of contract. Mm. Maybe you won't have another one. So I thought, okay, this will, I've got another guarantee two years now. So by the third year, hopefully I've got enough legs to keep going, you know. So the that 05 year, there was there was this couple of standout runs there because you guys had a really good run at Bathurst. You we were having a good run at Bathurst, yeah. yeah. So we were doing our own engines in the first year. Oh, so they weren't FPR – they were the, all the motors at FPR that had blown up the year before. Oh, that's right. They'd blown up a few. <laughs> Remember Lounsey at Eastern yeah. Creek actually had to sit out because they blew uh, up their yeah, Renault motors? At Perth, he and Cedo did two or three in yep. a weekend. And it was yeah, all it was those motors. So the cars were good. The team was good. Motors were terrible. So we went to Bathurst and I think we'd blown the last motor on the dyno. So the team actually had to go to Triple Eight and buy a motor. So they bought a motor from Triple Eight. Scott Owen plonked it on the – Dino, and and no Scotty Owen had been Glenn Seaton's engine man yep. for, for a long time. Yeah. He, he took it from Triple Eight, put it on the dyno, called us up and said, hey, get all those motors and just throw them in the bin because this thing's like 60 more horsepower. And we went to Straight back. away without yeah. doing anything. Yeah, and mm. the funny thing, when they, when they picked up the motor, they said to the Triple Eight boys, hey, we'll make sure that no one – we keep the bonnet down so no one can see the intake and all that sort of you know top secret stuff they used to do. And the Triple Eight boys are like, we don't really care who sees it, it's – just an old piece of junk. So it was, it, was, it was a motor that they really didn't have much love for that was 
head and shoulders better than anything that we had. It was gold. So, yeah, we stuck it in, went to Bathurst, qualified just out of the shootout. I think you were 12th again, weren't again, you? Again, yeah. Something like yep, that? Again, yep, just yeah. out of the shootout. And then um, with about 20 laps to go, we were sort of P4, P5. That was the year that um, Murph and Ambrose had their big That's crash. Right, it was too, they yeah. were both just behind us because they'd had that thing with the balaclava and I think Murph had had some issues. So we were sort of just in front of that. Uh, yeah, and P4 or 5 would have fixed all the top 32 points issues. Mm. So, yeah, that, and that was probably one of the reasons why – I, once we didn't cement our place in the top 32 where I went, oh, I've got to do, you know, I was going to go through the second year of that not being able to do the full championship. So, yeah, it's um, we were on for P4 or 5, but it, um, the thing ran out of water somewhere and everyone was so reluctant to pull the car in because it was such a – It was going it, so good. It, it was just going to solve every problem. It was going to get us in the top 32. The sponsors were going to be happy. Like, So we just kept going around and around until – I was on the right on the radio going. It's getting slower. They're mm. like, oh, just keep going. We're working on. We just just keep going. And then finally, it just destroyed itself. Boom. So then we not only lost the opportunity to be in the top thirty-two, we lost our best motor. Yeah, as well. <laughs> yeah, it's so, a double double banger. So yeah, it's um yeah, it was a bit of a nail in the coffin. So no ill will there. Bridie goes, okay, I get it. Or was it a bit? Nah, no, this is not ideal. No, it was it was all it was all like Bridie sort of. He's a driver. He understands. So, yeah. um, and I think they went and got Luffy. So that was did, good yeah. for them. So it was and good for Luffy as well. So, no, it all sort of ended. Mm. You know, it, mm. everyone understands it. You know, this is probably best for me, and that's probably best for you. And if they're both ticking the same box, happy days. And that's where we're going to have to leave my chat with Steve Owen for just now. He's departing Brightech Motorsport prior to the contract expiring and he's going to take up an opportunity with Rod Nash Racing for 2006. So that opens the door for the next episode, part two of my chat with the two-time development series winner. We're going to continue the drive down memory lane with a bunch of stuff. We talk about that scary Adelaide incident where he ended up basically passed out in the car and being cooked from the inside out. Through his time with Triple Eight Race Engineering, racing with Jamie Winkup, getting back into the main game with Paul Morris, and driving for a long time for Ford Performance Racing, right through all its name changes through FPR, Pro Drive, and then Tickford Racing. And of course, there's many, many more topics to cover off. I hope you enjoy me then. For more with Steve Owen, that's when we next get together on the V8 Salute Podcast, polished by Bowden's own premium car care. I'm Aaron Noonan. Thanks for tuning in. Send us your feedback via the form on our website and we'll chat with you soon.